Andrew Heaney looks great, but the Rangers get shut out in a loss. Talk about that and a, the latest on Jacob deGrom's injury and when the Rangers can expect him. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Ranger fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Today is Wednesday, May 10th. Your Rangers are 21 and 14, still alone atop the AL West with a two-game lead. Before we get into Andrew Heaney's great start, the Rangers offense getting shut out in Seattle. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. To stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, Andrew Heaney looked great in this 5-0 loss for the Rangers. His longest start of the season with Texas. Six and two-thirds innings, four hits, Four runs, only three of those were earned because of a Josh Young error, a homer, two walks, which is the lowest, actually second lowest, excuse me, that he has had in a game this season, and seven strikeouts, the second most he has had in a game this season. He was able to go deep into this one, throwing 98 pitches in those six and two-thirds innings. The Rangers only had to use two pitchers, just him and Ian Kennedy, because by the time Kennedy was in this game, the Rangers... We're already losing. Kennedy comes in, throws an inning and a third, does allow a run, um, but does his job, keeps the Rangers in it. The Rangers do not end up putting up any runs against a fantastic start for George Kirby. It's really, really going to be tough to face these Seattle pitchers for years to come. They have a lot of good young arms. Kirby was fantastic in this one. I mean, their entire rotation is, is filled with guys who are, are really freaking good, unfortunately. Um, the Rangers, as much as their offense has been fantastic, and I've talked a bunch about it, especially on Monday's episode. Um, Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert are also really freaking good. And the Rangers just had their hands full. It was not their night offensively. They just could not do much of anything against Kirby. But Andrew Heaney had a much-needed bounce-back start. The last start he had was one of just two he's had this year where he did not get through five innings. <laughs> the, the, Card- or the Cardinals. Uh, Arizona, uh, not the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Diamondbacks just bludgeoned him the last time out four and two-thirds innings six runs all of those were earned and three home runs for him in his last start multiple also multiple home runs in the start before that against the Yankees but he did go six innings in that one but I mean he really really needed this bounce back start and he was getting a lot of swings and misses he was throwing the fastball getting swings and misses and called strikes there um, 53 fastballs 26 changeups and 19 sliders he has been a little bit different than he was last year with the Dodgers when he was having all that success last year he threw the fastball 62 percent of the time the slider 32 percent of the time and the changeup just five percent of the time this year he has been a little bit different fastball is um, throwing it a little bit less often but the changeup he's throwing 20% of the time in the slider. He's throwing uh, just 18% of the time down about 10% usage from where it was last year. The changeup is up quite a bit, up 15% from last year. And I don't know that I love that going away from the 
Dodgers strategy that worked really, really well for him. His expected ERA is, is much better than his actual ERA. His actual ERA is in the fives at 525. His expected ERA is at 4.48. I think that's more accurate of where he is, how good he has actually been. Um, for the most part, he's he's been fairly solid, especially as a number five starter. He has given you what you needed. Having him go out there and pitch six and two-thirds innings, which is not something you typically see from Andrew Heaney. He's not a guy who is super economical with his pitch counts. He's struggled with the walks this year he is goes pretty deep into counts a lot of times kind of like Blake Snell not quite the same stuff as Blake Snell not the same uh, strikeout rates so far this year as Blake Snell typically has but he's not a guy who usually goes super deep into games and the Rangers who don't have the deepest pen kind of need their starters especially with Jacob deGrom on the IL for now we'll have an update um, in the second segment talk about what's new with him um, but the Rangers need their starting pitchers to go deep into games and and thankfully Andrew Heaney was able to do that in this one he looked really good against a really struggling Mariners offense he did still give up the four runs the only home run that he gave up was the first of the year to Tom Murphy um, he also had had his fourth double of the year, just a, a big Tom Murphy day. Um, and uh, Jared Kelnick was able to get in on the extra base hit action, but not until he faced off against a righty in Ian Kennedy. But the Rangers offense, just not much. Seven hits for them in this one. Just the one walk and 11 strikeouts. Two hits for Josh Smith, including a pretty nice double. A couple of, ex- a customer, couple of hits for Jonah Heim in this one, who just continues to stay in the starting lineup. He's even in this Wednesday afternoon starting lineup. He has been... Uh, catching a night game after a day game is not exactly what I expected, especially when they just called up a third catcher for Travis Jankowski heading on the aisle. We'll talk about that in the third segment about what the roster construction is going to look like and a little update on um, what to expect from Ezekiel Duran once Corey Seager comes back because we have heard from Bruce Bochy on that. But the Rangers have done a really, really good job overall offensively, just hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, finally, is able to find that stat they're hitting at 338 as a team with runners in scoring position 338 as a team heading into tuesday night's game that was obviously best in baseball and i think by a wide margin i don't think that they're going to continue to hit you know nearly 340 with runners in scoring position for the entire season if they do then they're probably going to continue hitting or scoring nearly seven runs a game or six and a half runs a game and leading baseball like they have been but this is only the third time this offense has been shut out it is the first time since April 7th, that was against the Cubs. They also had a shutout against the Orioles. Other than that, this offense has been pretty pretty consistently putting up runs, at least a decent amount of runs. This was not exactly an ideal offense. You had uh, Brad Miller in there DHing. He had no for four. I'm really starting to think Brad Miller's time is over. We'll talk about that also a little bit later. Josh Smith, who uh, not exactly the, the hottest bat, but does put together some some pretty good at bats and you know had a multi-hit game his OPS is up to 675 the on base is in the high 360s at 366 he's a valuable player um and his in the last um seven games he has two home runs um three RBI slugging 611 in those last seven games not something that you would necessarily expect from Josh Smith but hey he's stepping up he's a valuable piece and a important part of this roster we'll we'll see how much playing time he gets once Corey Seager is back. He's not getting a whole lot with Corey Seager even out at this point, but the Rangers kind of need him, especially with Travis Jankowski heading on the IL. This offense, it's it's just, you chalk it up to a bad day. It happens. You run into a really good pitcher, and sometimes these things will happen right now. The Rangers have won every series they've played against the American League West. They honestly could have swept all three 
or all two, I guess, of the series they've had so far, if not for a bullpen implosion in the Friday night game against the Angels, and if not for John Gray getting hurt in that Saturday game against the Astros, I mean, maybe the Rangers still lose that one, but still, they have been very good, very competitive against the American League West. The Mariners are all the way down 18, and 18 finally got back to 500. They are three and a half games back, I believe, of the Rangers, and the uh, Angels lost to um, to Framber Valdez, and the Astros, which, again, will happen sometimes because he's pretty freaking good. Even with Shohei Otani on the mound, it does happen. Um, but still, the Rangers are in a good place. They they hopefully can take this afternoon game. It's going to be tough, but losing two out of three in Seattle in a series where your offense just really wasn't going, eventually it was going to slow up. And against this Mariners pitching staff, it probably will. And maybe maybe the Rangers find a way to, to pour a bunch of runs on Luis Castillo, who is one of the better pitchers in the American League. They have done that. They did that in the first series of the year against the Phillies, two aces. Um, they were able to pour on runs there. So maybe this will be an offensive explosion for them. Who freaking knows? But I do know that the Rangers are hoping to get Jacob DeGrom back, but it, it is still going to be what we're going to talk about, what the expectation is there, what the latest is with him, and a look at why this is what's expected, and it's better than whatever else was happening on the free agent market for the other pitchers. But first, this episode is brought to you by SoRare. SoRare is a new a new sponsor, a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, Silver managers truly own their experience collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards. There is no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful powerful cards, accessing next-level competitions and rewards. Silver recently partnered with MLB All-Stars Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez to serve as brand ambassadors. Both are featured in Silver's current brand campaign and will engage with the Silver community throughout the season at MLB events. Head to silverware.com slash Locked on. That's spelled S O R A R E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's com slash locked on to start playing today. Now, the Rangers got some news on Jacob Brom from yesterday's show. I talked about him playing light catch. Didn't really know what that means. I still don't have a def- definition for light catch. Um, we. We have not received that official proclamation, but Bruce Bochy said that it's probably going to be another two to three weeks for Jacob deGrom before he is back on the hill. Let us go ahead and assume that that is going to be three weeks and, uh, you know, kind of temper those expectations right now. It is the 10th, so in three weeks it will be the 31st. That will be the end of May, the very end of May, which if that's what it is, then honestly, that's fine. The Rangers have... A couple of tough series coming up in the rest of this month. They have three at home against the Braves. They have three on the road against the Orioles. Those three against the Pirates that I I was saying might be a little more tricky than you thought. Um, By the way, I I put up the the DEFCROM rank. We're still at at DEFCROM 3. I I still feel pretty confident in that, saying this this is about where we are. So that would be the 31st. If it is three weeks, then that will be against the Tigers. If it is just uh, two weeks away, then he'll be back before that series against the Orioles on the road in Baltimore. That would be huge. 
Um, but really, the Rangers just need him back before this month of June. It is going to be a brutal stretch. They have three games against these very tough to hit against Mariners. They have three games against the Rays in Tampa Bay. They've got a few games against the uh, Blue Jays, against the Yankees, and they start a series against the Astros later on. They also have a series against the Angels, which maybe that'll be tough as well, but that will be at home a four-game series there. And also... Three games against the struggling St. Louis Cardinals. Mm, just brings me some joy to say it. <laughs> but the Rangers really need him for that month of June. It is going to be a really tough stretch. And in the month of July, it somehow gets even harder. They've got the final four games of that four, three games of that four game series to start July. They have some games against the Red Sox in at Fenway. They have some games against the Guardians, against the Dodgers, against the Rays, against the Astros, against the Padres. The, after the All-Star break, it is just a murderer's row for this Rangers club. But really, they're going to need to continue that in June. Hopefully they can get Corey Seager back. We're thinking um the the expectation was after this series in seattle Corey seager would go on a rehab stint don't know exactly how many games he would play there was no set amount of time um but you know we'll see and i, I do want to give a shout out to the everydayers thank you all so much for making lockdown rangers your first listen every day on tomorrow's show i'll talk about which rangers should be all-stars speaking of that all-star break and maybe a huge series win but the rangers take on the mariners today at 2.40 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday. Dane Dunning versus Luis Castillo. You can catch every pitch with the Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, like I said, Jacob deGrom is three, two to three weeks away, but, you know, again, that was the expectation when the Rangers signed him. Let's compare him to some of the other pitchers that were on this free agent market that maybe the Rangers thought they might get or the Mets thought they were better off with than Jacob deGrom. You know, you can look at Max Scherzer, who just got scratched from his last start with uh, neck tightness, uh, I believe, or excuse me, neck spasms. I don't think he's going to land on the IL, but he also had that suspension for the sticky stuff, which was just rosin, but it was kind of judged in a weird way. But even before that, he just hasn't been very effective. Five starts for him, which is just as many as Jacob Grom has made for the Rangers. But Max Scherzer has an ERA of 5.56 in 22 and two thirds innings and just 20 strikeouts. You look at what Jacob Degrom did in his five starts for the Rangers. He had a 2.67 ERA, actually six starts. So he did have have more starts in 30 and a third innings, 45 strikeouts and just four walks. Again, when Jacob Degrom is on the hill, he is the best pitcher in all of baseball. He is a little injury prone, and you got to be extra careful with him and. You should not fault him for that. And I don't know why Rangers fans in my YouTube comments hate him so much. There are so many people that are just, oh, what a bum. He's so fragile. He's so suck. Why can't you just enjoy nice things, okay? Jacob deGrom is a very nice thing. He is an incredible pitcher to watch. And yeah, it's it's frustrating that he's not out there on the hill every day. Nolan Ryans don't exist anymore. You don't have guys that are throwing 300 innings and 40 starts a game. It just does not happen anymore. Baseball has moved on. Bodies cannot hold up like that. It is there's just no one who does that anymore. The next closest thing that that has been had to that since since you know Nolan Ryan is you know the the other old guy in the Mets rotation, the 40 year old Justin Verlander, who has made one whole start for the Mets this year. He has a 3.60 ERA, only went five innings in that start, and only struck out five, and they still ended up losing to the freaking Tigers. In his one start, I mean, the rest of their rotation is is not great either. Everybody outside of Kodai Senga has an ERA 
north of four. I mean, David Peterson has an ERA north of six and a half. It's just not been a good place for the Mets rotation. They really could have used a guy like Jacob DeGrom, even though he is on the IL right now. The rest of their starters are not doing super great. And, you know, if you were one of the ones who thought, ah, well, I, I, that Jacob DeGrom is too hurt, let's go with Carlos Rodon, who, again, at the time, all this offseason, I was saying, I'm more scared of Carlos Rodon's injury history because he's only had literally one healthy season, one fully healthy season in his entire Bailey career, and it was last year. And then he had a half a healthy season before that um, that was really good, but it was only half a healthy season. DeGrom has at least had a bunch of seasons where he was healthy. The last two have been kind of a mess. This year might end up being a mess as well, and he is a little bit older than, than Rodon. But still, I was very skeptical about Carlos Rodon staying healthy love watching him pitch glad that he had so so much success and i wish him nothing but the best but he has not pitched so far this year and he was just diagnosed with a back injury that he said is chronic and we don't know if he's going to pitch this year or i mean really at all we really don't know what's going on with carlos rodon so i mean look at those other options on the market i mean do you want a max scherzer who's getting paid more per year than than DeGrom or Justin Verlander, who's getting paid more per year than DeGrom, and both of them are less effective when on the hill and have been on the hill. They have combined. Those two have combined for the same amount of starts that Jacob DeGrom has made for the Rangers, even though he's been on the IL for 10 days, I think. Yeah. So maybe, maybe take a, take a pull back, just think, oh, okay, well, maybe this Jacob DeGrom going on the IL is not the worst thing in the world. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, that is the calculus that the Rangers knew when they signed him to that five-year, $185 million deal, possibly six years, $210, $215 million deal. I don't remember exactly what the final year is with all of those options and conditions, but at least five years, $185 million. You knew this was coming. It's fine. The Rangers really need him in the start. We have depth they have, excuse me, not we, they have depth in the starting rotation outside of him. The guy who's coming in to start behind him is Dane Dunning, who in has one start and a 142 ERA. That, that's fine for your number six starter to come in. You have some depth after that. If Cole Reagans needs to come in and start, then maybe they can get him in there. If Cody Bradford, the guy with an ERA around one in, I think, seven AAA starts this year, if he needs to come up and, and start for a little bit, I think he could be capable of it. I don't think he would do quite as well as Dane Dunning or Cole Reagans or, obviously, Jacob DeGrom. But there is some depth to this rotation. We just saw Andrew Heaney was who is projected to be the number five starter, is the number five starter when healthy in this rotation, go six and two-thirds innings and allow just three earned runs against the Seattle Mariners, who were a 90-plus win team last year and made the playoffs. We just saw John Gray go seven innings and allow just one run against this Mariners squad in the best win of the season. There is depth to this rotation. We've seen Nathan Eovaldi go back-to-back with a complete game shutout and eight shutout innings against the Angels in his last two starts. He has been very freaking good. Martin Perez, the other guy, oh, basically every start but the most recent one, he went at least five innings and basically was a quality start machine for the last you know year and a month of Major League Baseball. So the Rangers are fine. Yeah, it's frustrating that DeGrom isn't out there every day, and I want to see him pitch every fifth day too so I can get my casual friends into baseball because that's that's how you rope your casual friends into baseball. You're like, hey, this Jacob DeGrom guy, he, he's pitching day. You should you should check out this Rangers game. Like, it is different than, oh, um, they were talking about this on the Rangers on Deck podcast, uh, Michael Tepit, Tepit Participation, uh, was saying, you know, DeGrom is appointment television. I 100% agree with him. He said, you know, 
with the normal game, you think, oh, it's 30 minutes before the game. I'll kind of like make my way over to TV. But with DeGrom starts, you start thinking about that stuff like three hours beforehand. You start thinking about that. I wake up and I think, oh, it's Jacob DeGrom day. I'm so excited. <laughs> Let's see how I can plan my day around watching Jacob DeGrom pitch. It is something different. And it is how you can get your friends you have annoyed with all of your baseball talk. Um, and I'm assuming that you have friends you've annoyed with too much baseball talk because you're listening to this podcast. And Because I have friends that I've annoyed with too much baseball talk, um, which is why I have this podcast. Um, and this career but you that's how you get them that's how you hook them in okay this guy jacob Degrom, he's different you don't have to watch all 162 games um uh, for your casual friends you can just like all right every fifth day check out this jacob Degrom fella because he is something special and he is something to get people hooked on texas rangers baseball that they have not been as a whole in this metroplex in a very very long time coming up we're going to talk about the injured list move the confusing call up of Sam Huff and what Ezekiel Durant is going to do when the Rangers get Corey Seager back and healthy. But first, this word from our sponsors. Thank y'all so much to the everyday listeners for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On Friday's show this week, I'll be talking about the farm system, what's been going on. Hey, hey, Evan Carter slump, is he he done? Is everything done? Or what else is going on on this farm system? And hopefully another Nathan Eovaldi gem. The Rangers take on the A's at 8.40 p.m. Central Time on Thursday night. Nathan Eovaldi versus TBD for those Oakland A's. In Oakland, you can catch every pitch with Hometown Broadcast on Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. The Rangers place J- Travis Jankowski on the injured list, the 10-day IL on, uh, I believe it was Tuesday that this happened. They're thinking it's just going to be a 10-day stint. He had the hamstring injury. Thought, okay, better to let this just be a small injury as opposed to a big injury. The Rangers had a few options on their 40-man of who they could call up to be in his place. They're was one left-handed hitter who was on the 40-man. They wouldn't have to DFA anybody or make a bunch of extra room, and that was Dustin Harris, who is doing okay, not great in AA, hasn't been above AA, would not be someone who you would want to put in a major league game right now, especially against um, this Mariner squad. Maybe you called him up against and played him against Oakland, um, then he can get some confidence um, just mashing against Oakland. But the Rangers decided to call up Sam Huff, um, and he is not starting in this Wednesday afternoon game, which I'm kind of surprised that they have Jonah Heim, who is caught, I believe, played in 14 straight games, a lot of straight games um, for the Rangers. They're not giving him a day off or even a half day off in this afternoon game against the Mariners. He maybe could use one, and as could Josh Young. But I want to talk about Ezekiel Duran, what the Rangers are going to do with him. Uh, Bruce Bochy said he might have to get a little bit creative about how to work him into the everyday lineup, but he said he's going to be a regular in the lineup. That is going to be a thing. When Corey Seager returns, it is going to be Ezekiel Duran regularly in the lineup. And even though he said he's going to have to get creative, I really don't think he's going to have to get that creative. I think it's going to be a lot of Ezekiel Duran in left field, maybe occasionally spelling Josh Young, who is in a little bit of a downturn after that torrid first month and a great first series um, of May against those Arizona Diamondbacks. It's been a little bit of a struggle for him. The last seven games, he does have the two home runs, which includes that multi-home run game against the Diamondbacks, but he's hitting just 161 with an on-base of 182, slugging 387, which again is probably definitely buoyed by those two home runs. He's got 10 strikeouts in 31 at-bats. Not great. It's been a couple of rough outings for him. I mean, back-to-back not great outings for him offensively he did drive in one of the two runs on monday's win which is good 
getting together some quality at bats can help you when you are on a little bit of a skid. I thought that he might have the day off in this afternoon game against Luis Castillo because if you're in a slump, the last thing you freaking want to see is Luis Castillo, a guy of his caliber. It is not going to be a guy who you are probably going to bust the slump against. Maybe he can stay in there against Oakland and, and kind of turn those fortunes around, but it's been a little bit of a rough patch for Josh Young. I think he'll figure it out. He'll be fine. Maybe he just won't win American League Rookie of the Month for May, even though I thought he would because he had two home runs in the first game of May. thought, all right, that's a pretty good way to start that month. Maybe it will end up going to that other rookie up in Boston, but Josh Young will be fine. It's a little bit frustrating, but Ezekiel Duran has absolutely earned his everyday spot. I think that once Corey Seager comes back, it's going to be Corey Seager's job at shortstop. Even though Zeke Duran has, has done a pretty good job at shortstop, outs above average-wise, he's in the 81st percentile of all of baseball defensively, and that has been mostly coming at shortstop. He's also played a little bit of left field. I think he's played a game at third base this year. I think he's played one game in right field, and I know he's played at least an inning at second base, um, spelling Marcus Simeon occasionally. But the Rangers have to keep his bat in there. Again, Ezekiel Duran is another guy who is most definitely going to have a prolonged slump at some point. His walk rate is in the first percentile of all of baseball. His chase rate is in the fourth percentile of all of baseball, but he is still really freaking fast. He is still in the top 11% of baseball in terms of hard hit percentage. Um, his expected batting average is in the top 17% of baseball. Like this guy hits the ball really freaking hard. That part has never been fluky. It has always been like that with him. Whenever he gets contact, he's hitting the ball into the turf a little bit more often than you would like to see. For a guy with that much power, maybe they'll work on the launch angle. I don't know if you work on the launch angle first or you work on that lack of a uh, walk rate first, but maybe you work on those thing, two things hand in hand. The Rangers as a whole offensively have done a good job of working walks and taking advantage of guys who work walks, walks and driving them in, but the Rangers just cannot keep his bat on on the bench while Corey Seager is back. It, it's going to be left field because then you put Robbie Grossman at DH. Then whenever Mitch Garver comes back, it's like, okay, then you start to have some questions about, okay, well, you're going to have to get a little bit more creative then because Robbie Grossman has shown that he is a productive everyday regular. Yeah. He did have that long stretch where he went 0 for 24 or whatever, but he has pulled out of it. He's been very valuable offensively, defensively. I always worry about him in right field and like kind of worry about him a little bit in left field, which was not something that I expected when the Rangers signed Robbie Grossman. I thought, okay, you put him in left field, he'll be fine. He won't be spectacular, but he'll be fine. He'll work good at bats. He'll occasionally get a charge into one and put it over the fence, but, you know, not going to be all that concerned with Robbie Grossman. And I thought that Ezekiel Duran was going to win the left field job out of camp. He did not. Now it seems like about a month in the season. It seems like Bruce Bochy really, really likes Ezekiel Duran, so he's going to get some playing time. And it's not just because Bruce Bochy likes him, it's because he is performing very, very well. So far this season, Ezekiel Duran still has an OPS north of 800. He hit second uh, in the Tuesday shutout, but did put up the hardest hit ball of the evening with a 110 mile an hour, I believe that was a, a ground out. Um, that he ended up just squaring right in the ground. No, it was the one single that he had um, because that's what Ezekiel Duran does. He hits the absolute crap out of the baseball every single time. I'm loving what I'm seeing from him, and I don't think the Rangers are going to send him down anytime. Even if he goes through a very, very prolonged slump, he he's also another reason why, even though Evan Carter's you know struggled for you know a week in May, it's just is fine. 
you literally don't worry about that at all. He's a reason, another reason, along with Leody Tavares, who is still doing pretty well offensively, why the Rangers don't need to feel like they should rush the 20-year-old Evan Carter up to the big leagues because the rest of their outfield offense is so bad. They they got they'll have Ezekiel Duran, Leo Tavares, and Adoles Garcia in the outfield with occasional spells from maybe Josh Smith. Maybe Bubba Thompson, maybe he ends up going down, or maybe um, a little bit of time with um, Robbie Grossman as well. But you know who's not going to be playing the outfield is Brad Miller. Brad Miller finally got a start for, felt like the first time in forever. He was DHing for the Rangers and hitting eighth, which you know what I have to say about DHs who hit eighth, which unless it's like Robbie Grossman, which might end up being the case a little bit almost fairly often for the rest of the season that the Rangers have Robbie Grossman as their DH batting eighth, um, who is a fine DH and also fine batting eighth. And that's just kind of how the lineup works. But Brad Miller had an over and not a whole lot of productive at bats over four with two strikeouts in this one. He has just been, he's just been bad for the last couple of seasons with the Rangers. I was really excited about the Rangers signing him. I thought, okay, that's a that's a pretty good move, a pretty smart move. He um, did have one pinch hit in um, against the Angels on the uh, seventh. I believe that was the 16-run game, which, again, he was just kind of getting in on that magic. But last year was just straight up awful for him. He hit 212 with an on-base of 270 and an OPS of 590, just uh, seven home runs for him. And I believe... I believe they all came by the end of May. After after May, he did not have any more home runs. So far this year, he has just one home run that came on opening day because that's apparently what Brad Miller does. He gets a home run on opening day, and then the power dries up by the end of May. He has just not been productive for the Rangers. He's got an on-base of 275. He's slugging under 300. He only has you know two doubles. It's not like he's walking at an insane rate. It's not great. Uh, he just doesn't play defense very well anywhere except for first base. He plays it slightly better than Nathaniel Lowe. And right now, the only the only real role for Brad Miller at this point is coming in defensively late for Nathaniel Lowe. So I think, I don't know that he's going to be the first roster casually once once Corey, once everybody else gets healthy, once Jankowski gets healthy and uh, Seager gets healthy and Mitch Garver gets healthy. But I think that the Rangers need to start thinking about moving on from him. He is the last man on this roster. The Rangers, unfortunately, can't add any more pitchers to the bullpen. Otherwise, they, they probably should have just having the bench bats that they have minus Miller. I don't think they're going to lose a whole lot. No shade to Brad Miller as a person. I'm sure he's a great guy in the clubhouse and a great veteran and, and all that good stuff. It just has not worked out for Brad Miller. Maybe he'll figure it out and start mashing righties again, which was the whole reason the Rangers signed him. He has not done that. So if you're not doing that, you're not providing defensive versatility that you kind of thought he might be when he first signed here before you saw him at, at left field and at third base. Um, you're really not getting much out of Brad Miller. So I think the Rangers should probably think about moving on from him. I don't know that they're going to do it necessarily right now, but it's definitely a thought in their minds. And I kind of thought it would happen out of camp. It didn't, but that's where we are right now. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much to the everydayers. Like I said, on tomorrow's show, hopefully we'll be talking about a huge series win heading into Oakland, coming off two straight road series wins, hoping for all three straight road series wins and that four-game series against the Oakland A's. Hopefully the Rangers can rack up a crap ton of wins, a crap ton of runs, and some more confidence for all of their starting pitchers. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. Until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.